All right. Isn't that good already this morning? I think we could probably just go home now and I don't really want to mess anything up. So let's just go home. Okay. So that was uh, really good. Just singing together. Hey, I want to welcome you to Mount Olive Church. So glad you're here. If you are brand new with us, it's your first time ever, or maybe it's been a while. Uh, I'm just so excited you're here. Just so you know, you are stepping into the very last message on a series of messages. I know you missed it, but do you know what? we live in a day, you don't miss nothing, right? I mean, so you can go if you want to catch up uh, to mountallofesc.com or a podcast. And uh, if there's some things that you're like, oh man, I, I need to know more about that, or I want to uh, dive into that a bit more, you can do that there. Now, the series we've been on is how to deal with imperfect people. I imagine you have some people in your life that just aren't all that perfect. And there's all kinds of things you'd like to do to deal with them. Well, a few things that we've talked about through the series, just so you are a little bit caught up, is we've talked about how do we deal with the imperfect people around us as it relates to uh, making space. I mean, there's probably some people that are just hard to live with. And how do we make space for those imperfect people? Uh, when people sin or they wrong us, what does it look like to forgive? And how do we forgive? And, and why? And, and what does it look like to set up boundaries in relationship, godly boundaries in our relationship? And, and when do we reconcile? And how do we reconcile? How do we discern that? We've talked about all those things in this series. We've also talked about what does it look like to be a peacemaker rather than just a peacekeeper? Peacekeepers throw it all under the carpet and pretend it away. Peacemakers actually make peace. And so we've been talking about all of those things. Well, as you probably noticed, even just in the summary, uh, when we talk about how to deal with imperfect people, the one person, at least as Jesus followers, the one person that we are called to deal with, the one imperfect person that we have been given responsibility for and we've been given some power over that we are to deal with is not the imperfect person out there. It's actually the imperfect person that's right here. And as Jesus followers, so often as we meet imperfect people, like it's their fault. And Jesus called us to deal with the imperfect person that's right here while we live with the imperfect people out there. Have you ever noticed that some people just have the unique superpower, the unique special gift to just bring the worst out of you, right? You know those people, right? It's like, they just know which buttons to push. They just know, you know, uh, uh, your buttons. And, and it's just like, what happens to me when I'm around them, right? And you probably had some of these thoughts. It's like, you know, I'm a, actually like, I'm a pretty easygoing person. And then when they're around, like, I don't know what happens to me, but I just turn into this angry maniac. I like turn into a Hulk. Like, what happened to me, right? Or maybe you're like, you know, I'm a pretty kind person. But when they show up in my life, like, I don't know, I just turn into the wicked witch of the north. Like, I don't know what happened to me. And this, this stuff I didn't even know existed in me just starts bubbling out of me, right? You know these people. They're imperfect people. And you probably have them in your life. I know I have them in mine. They're just button-pushing imperfect people. And you know, here's the interesting thing. Some of these people, they're so good. They don't even try to push my buttons, right? It's like they just naturally push buttons without even knowing it. It's like, why is it that this comes out of me, this ugly, when they're around? Well, here's something that we need to deal with as it relates to that truth. Do you know that there, that people can only bring out of you what was already inside of you? <laughs> Shoot, hey? It's like, no, 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 no. They're the problem. Don't, don't point this back. No, no. 
They're the problem, right? They're the ones that pushes the buttons. But here's, here's the thing we have to wrestle with. Whatever it is that comes out of you, it couldn't have come out of you if it wasn't already inside of you. And the question is, what are you going to do with that? What do you do with the ugly that kind of bumps out of you as people bump into you and people push buttons? What do you do with, with that? What do you do with the actions and the words that seem to come out and you think, I don't like that version of me. You know, in Newton's laws of motion, the third law goes something like this, and you probably know this if you know, remember school. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, right? And this is how motion works, this is how physics work, but isn't this also true of how relationships work, right? For every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. You hit me, I'll just hit you back, right? If you slight me, I'll slight you back because for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. And this is, this is how things just work, right? And, and sometimes, let's be honest, in our relationships, we don't just hit them with the same force they hit us. It's a little bit more, right? Because they deserved it. And that's called escalation. But for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And, if, and, and, and so as, as people bump into us and they push our buttons, we start to act and we start to react. You know, it's been said that actions speak louder than words, but do you know what speaks louder than actions? Reactions speak louder than actions. And reactions speak louder than words. And when people bump up against us and the imperfect people in our world show up, how we react says a lot about what's at the very core, at the inner core of who we are. And if you're honest, and if I'm honest, often what comes out is not all that pleasant. I don't even like it. And what are we going to do about that? So for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And when someone hits, we hit back. And when someone slights, we slight them back. And this is how the world works, right? And the earth keeps spinning and spinning. And relationships keep splitting and splitting. And the world keeps hurting and hurting. There's got to be another way. And when Jesus came, he talked about another way. He talked about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that's already here. He came to bring it and he said it's within you and it's among you. And he calls us as his followers, as we come to follow him, to step into a new kingdom. It's upside down to how this world works. And when Jesus came, he said, I'm gonna change you, but it's not just gonna be this behavioral change. I wanna change you from the inside, from the core of who you are. Out. So when people bump up against you and they start pushing buttons, what comes out is something very different than what came out before. And Jesus talks all about this in some teaching, and you can find it in Luke chapter 6. And Jesus says this He says, Love your enemies. <laughs> to which we're like, Say what? Really? And Jesus is like, Yeah, really. What? 
I can't love my enemies. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they deserve? Do you know what justice demands of them? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you to love your enemies. And everyone's like, no, no, no. You don't understand how the world works. For every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. Jesus, this is how it works. And Jesus taught this more than once. And he's like, I know how it works, right? And so on, on another occasion on the Sermon on the Mount, he actually just defines for them how it works. He's like, he says this, he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And everyone's like, yep, that's how it works. That's how the world works. When people slight me, you slight them back. When people love you, you love them back. You give in kind. Because for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. And Jesus comes along and says, ah, 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 ah. Not so with you. In my kingdom, it's upside down. And in my kingdom, I'm inviting you to love your enemies. Now here's, here's, when Jesus used the word love, he used a specific word of love. So in English, we kind of have one word for love. It sounds like this, love. Okay, that's, that's our one word for love, right? It's just like, that's what we got. In Greek, they had many different words for love. There was like the, the emotion, feeling kind of love, the eros, it was eros love, right? It's like, I feel this deep love. And it's romantic often, our love, right? And there was another word for love, phileo love. It was like this friendship connection love. And it's like brotherly love, sisterly love. This, some of you are like, I don't have any of that kind of love with my brothers. So it's, like, it's this like friendship connection kind of love, phileo love. And when Jesus said, I want you to love your enemies, it's like, I don't want you to romanticize them. It's not this feeling, you don't have to feel. And he doesn't use the word friendship connection love. When Jesus said, I want you to love your enemy, he used a whole different word, it's the word agape love. And this word, it was already in existence in Greek when Jesus used it, but it was barely ever used. Jesus, and what he did and the Christian movement, the Christian faith made this word famous and it helps define what that word even means. It's unbelievable. In essence, Jesus redefines love. And when Jesus used the word agape love, he, he, it, it was this sacrificial kind of love and it's not based on feeling, it's based on an action of the will. And he said, you don't have to feel you don't have to be in friendship connection, but you do have to love and it's gonna cost you because I want you to agape love, to an act of the will, love your enemies. And some of you are like, all right, I'm already checked out. All right, like I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm tapped out already, right? And here's what I wanna say. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can tap out at any moment, right? You're like, I'm not... You don't have to do any of this. Jesus is talking about this for those who step into his kingdom. So you can kind of take it or leave it. I'm gonna tell you this. Your life will probably go better if you learn this and you'll do better at life because Jesus is the author of life. But you can kind of take it or leave it. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what we're gonna see later is Jesus does not make this optional for those who are in the kingdom. Jesus does not make this optional for those who say, I want to be a follower and I'm stepping into following Jesus. Jesus says, love your enemies. Okay, 
Why would, why would any of us want to? How could we do this? And what does this kind of love even look like? Jesus is going to talk about all that. And then at the end, he's going to take this roadblock that keeps us from doing this. And he's just going to move it to the side so that we can actually live into this kind of love. It's unbelievable. So why and what does this look like? Here's what Jesus says. He says, love your enemies. And let me just define that for you, this agape kind of love, which looks like this. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Notice that all of these things do not have to do simply with words or even with actions. They're all based on our what? Reactions. This is how we react, a new kind of reaction. Our reaction to hate becomes goodness. Our reaction to cursing becomes blessing. Our reaction to mistreatment becomes prayer. In essence, Jesus says, our, uh, we show our love through our actions, words, and prayer, and these are reactions to our enemies, reactions to those who have hated us. Love your enemies. He starts by saying, do good to those Do good to those who hate you. You know, when Jesus says do good to those who hate you, he's saying do actual, genuine acts of kindness and goodness to people who who absolutely hate you. Now, here's the thing. Many of us, we do acts of kindness and goodness, but it's not for their good. It's, let's be honest, it's just to kind of get under their skin, right? It's like, man, if I do this, it's just gonna annoy the, it's gonna annoy them, right? So I'm just gonna do this act of goodness but really I'm not doing it for their good. It's for my good to kind of, you know, dig in on them. Jesus, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Do acts of goodness, not for your good, but solely for theirs. Do good to those who hate you. He goes on, bless those who curse you. The law of relationship says when someone curses me, I curse them back. And Jesus says when people curse you and they speak negatively about you and they defame your character and wreck your reputation, that you respond as my followers, Jesus would say, with words of kindness and blessing to speak well of them, especially when speaking to others and they're not around. And then Jesus goes on to say, I'm and pray for those who mistreat you. And some of you, you're, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm, I can do this. Because you've been reading the Bible and you've learned some things. And you're like, you've heard about imprecatory prayers, right? These are prayers of judgment and justice on, you know, your enemies. And we read about these in the Psalms. And you're like, oh, I'll pray for people that they'll die, you know? Like, I'll pray that God's judgment. No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus is talking about. See, it wouldn't make sense in the context. Hey, do good to people who hate you and, and you know, bless people who curse you and then pray for their death, right? No. Jesus is saying, leave justice to God. He'll figure that side out. But as you pray, begin to pray for them. Pray that God would do something good in them. Maybe it's praying that they change, but you're praying for them. And as you do, I bet your heart begins to change. So Jesus says, do good and bless and pray. And then he gives some examples. And some of these examples you're probably gonna relate to and some of you are like, I don't relate to. But notice that all of these examples that Jesus gives are based on our reactions to other people's actions. Here's what he says. 
If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to slap them back, Jesus. I know, I know. That's, for every action, there's an opposite and equal. No, no, reaction. But in my kingdom, your reaction begins to change. You turn the other cheek. He goes on and says, and, and if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. That's a high level of generosity. I don't know. And this is Jesus's point. And, and we talked about in the boundaries message. We can go back and listen to that. Sometimes an act of love is to set up boundaries. But what Jesus is saying here is that as followers of him in his kingdom, we do everything out of love and generosity. We don't set up boundaries because we're being stingy. Very different story. So give to those who ask. And make your decisions based on your generous love. And if you're going to choose a boundary, you do that out of love, not out of stinginess. And then Jesus sums it all up with the statement, and you've heard this statement, even if you haven't been in church, I guarantee you've heard this statement before. Jesus says this famous statement. He says this, simply, do to others as you would have them do to you. Simply, what you wish others would do for you, even your enemies, I'm just asking you to do that for them. And when Jesus said this, and you know this is the golden rule, when Jesus spoke the golden rule, he didn't come up with something that hadn't been heard before, not fully. The golden rule, a version of the golden rule, exists in most, most religions in the world throughout history. And when Jesus came along, the golden rule was already present in different religions throughout the world. Jesus didn't come up with something new, but he said it in a new way. In almost every religion up to Jesus' time, as far as we know, the golden rule was always spoken as a negative. It sounds something like this. What is hateful to you, do not to your neighbor do. That's what it sounded like, right? If it's hateful, just simply don't do this, which allowed people in religion to simply be neutral to others, be neutral and passive to their enemies. I just won't do hateful things but Jesus came along and says, ah, 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 in the upside down kingdom of God, there is no room to just be neutral. I'm actually calling you to do unto others, to do to others. This is an active thing we do, not just keeping the bad things or the hateful things out, but I actually want you to step into goodness and do those things for others. Now, why? Why would Jesus ask us to do this? Why is this so, so important when it's so, so hard? And Jesus answers it this way. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. In essence, Jesus says, if you just live by the law of relationships that's in this world, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, you're no different than the world. You're exactly, everybody does that. People who don't even have never heard of God, they do that. That's just normal. And he goes on and says, and if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. This is how the world works. And then he goes on, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, probably with interest, 
What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. This is how the world works. But Jesus says, I want you to go beyond that. I want you to love your enemies. And then Jesus, what Jesus says next, he takes the roadblock that keeps us from getting there and he moves it to the side. And here's the roadblock. He says this, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And Jesus takes the roadblock of expectations that keeps us from loving others, especially our enemies, especially the button pushing people in our lives, the roadblock that keeps us from loving them, which is expectations, and he moves it aside. Without expecting, another, another uh, way to bring this into English from Greek is this idea, love them without despair. And here's what expectations do as you consider loving others. It will cause you to, to despair. Because when they don't love you back, your love will begin to deteriorate and struggle because your love is based on their actions so that you can give an equal and opposite reaction. But when they don't give you love, your love will begin to despair because you're expecting something back. And this is confusing. I want to talk about this for a little bit, a nuance. See, expectations in relationship are both necessary and good. There are expectations in every relationship that you have. Expectations are part and parcel with relationships and expectations are good. Sometimes we have expectations in our relationships that destroy the relationship because they're just way out of whack, either way too high or way too low, but guaranteed every relationship has expectations and you need expectation in relationship. If you wanna know more about this, listen to the message on boundaries. It's all about expectations within relationships. And I have expectations and you have expectations in your relationship. One of my expectations uh, in my marriage relationship with my wife, and I know it's crazy, I have expectations of my wife, but one of them is that she will remain faithful to me and not run around with other men. I know it's a high expectation, but it's my expectation. And here's the thing. When she keeps the expectation, our relationship does better. If she were to break that expectation, it would ruin our relationship because it's a broken expectation. But here's what Jesus does as it relates to love. He takes our love and he says, your love is not contingent on expectations, on a relationship. Relationships are contingent on expectations. But Jesus says, our love as his followers are not contingent on expectations. We love not because of how others have loved, which is an expectation, but our love is simply because of who we are. And that's why Jesus uses the word agape love. He does not say you have to be friendship love, phileo love, because with an enemy relationship, your relationship's broken. There is no friendship connection love. But he does say, although your relationship is broken, that does not remove the obligation for you to love. Now, why would we do this? And here, here's two reasons Jesus gives. He says this, simply because then your reward will be great. Jesus actually says for everything you do, including your love for your enemy, he will pay you back. 
He will give a reward. Will it be in this lifetime? Not guaranteed, but for sure in eternity. You will be paid back and more than what you have given. But that's not the only reason. He goes on and says, and, the second reason, and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. When Jesus says you will be children of the Most High, he's not saying by this you will earn the right to be God's children. No, no, no. We do not earn the right to be God's children. What Jesus is saying, when you start to live like this, it is proof. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the reaction that you indeed have been changed from the inside out. You are proving to be children of your father in heaven and here's why because this is how your father in heaven loves this is how your father in heaven has loved you that god has been kind to people who are ungrateful people who did not want his kindness which is all of our stories and he has been kind to wicked unpleasant people. You know, the way the apostle Paul said it was this, that God demonstrates his love, his agape love for us in this. While we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. God did not wait for us to meet his expectations. His love, his agape love was given to us when Christ came and died on the cross for your sin and for mine. And Jesus simply says, would you give out what you have received from your heavenly father? See, God never asks us to do anything that hasn't already been done for us in the person of Jesus. Be kind because your heavenly father is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And then he sums it all up this way. So be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do you know what mercy means? It's not giving what people deserve. It's not giving. It's it's not for every action giving an equal and opposite reaction. It's not doing that. It's saying you deserve X, but I will not give it to you. And your heavenly father has not given you and I what we deserve. And so he says, as it relates to your enemies, you don't have to have great feelings towards them. You may not have a friendship connection with them, but that does not remove the obligation to be merciful and to love them, to love like your heavenly father without expectation of anything in return. And when you do this, I guarantee you, it will be unexpected. And the person you love will look and say, something's wrong with you. There's probably pills for that. But it's gonna pull them in and the world will see. Say, that's upside down to how the world works. But I want in on that kind of love. You know, people, people can only bring out of you what was already inside of you. And when they bump into you and something starts to bump out, that's what's already inside of you. And, and reactions speak louder than actions. And as you think of your reactions, what would it look like for you as, as a follower of Jesus, and I'm speaking to those of you that are followers of Jesus, to match your will with the will of your heavenly Father, 
to step in step with the spirit who's already inside of you and live within the kingdom, an upside down kingdom, a kingdom that's unexpected as it relates to its love, a kingdom that has upside down love. So love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. What would it look like for you to do good to the person right now that you're thinking of? And you think, ah, they don't deserve good. But Jesus, your, your Savior, and Jesus, your Lord, who's shown you how to love, says, yeah, but would you, would you simply do good to them? Don't expect. If you put your expectations in the way, you will be disappointed. As you agape love them, move your expectations to the side and simply love them. Because Jesus has called us not to love as a result or a response to someone's should. He's called us to love as a result and response to the new found character that he creates in us. Who is someone that you need to do some good to? Not to kind of dig, <laughs> kind of annoy them, but to do good for their good. Different kind of goodness. Your reaction to hate begins to be Come goodness. What would it look like for you to have your reaction to cursing start to be blessing? Who's the person right now that you're thinking of who's defamed your character and spoken negatively about you to others? And everything in you wants to curse. That's what they've earned and that's what they deserve. What would it look like to be merciful and start blessing, speaking well of them, especially when they're not around? And thirdly, what would it look like for your reaction to mistreatment to begin to be prayer? To start praying for those that have not treated you well and pray that God would bring about goodness in their life. Pray that God would maybe bring about a change in their life. But I have a hunch as we start to pray that more than change them, God will start to change us. What would it look like for you to love like your heavenly father? without expectation of return. An unexpected, upside-down love. Because you live in an upside-down kingdom, the kingdom of God. Let me pray with you. Father, we like that you have shown us this love. We like that you have not treated us as our wrong and our sin deserve. We like that you've been merciful and that you did not wait for us to earn our way to you because we could not, but in your love, in your sacrificial love, you sent Jesus while we were sinners to pay our debt and the price of our sin. And we want to say thank you. Father, what you call us to because we've received that is, is a huge challenge. So I pray for each one right now as we hear your word and we wrestle with your word as we consider what it looks like to live and step with your spirit in the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. Would you give us courage to step into this kind of love? And we can't change our inside and out on our own. We need you to change us. And so we simply pray, Father, we give you permission to change us. So as people push buttons and bump up against us, that our reactions begin to change. And these begin to look more and more like how you have reacted 
to us. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.